the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all glory. From the beginning to the end, you are God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence amongst us. Thank you, Lord, that your word comes with simplicity and yet with power. Thank you, Lord, for healing through your word. Thank you for deliverance through your word. Thank you that yokes are destroyed and broken from the lines of everyone in the service and those online through your word. We give you praise, we give you glory that your people are edified through the power of your word in Jesus' precious name. Shout an amen. amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. Come with me to First Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 to 15. It says, I hope to visit you soon, but I'm writing these instructions. Somebody say instructions. Okay, I hope to visit you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that when I am delayed... You will know how everyone who belongs to God's family, somebody say, everyone who belongs to God's family, ought to behave after all the church of the living God is the strong foundation of the truth. Somebody say, I belong to God's family. My behavior matters to God. I belong to God's family. I behave differently. Praise the Lord. It's important that you are not just a Christian in word, you are a Christian indeed. The way we behave as Christians matters a lot. It matters to God, it must matter to you, and it matters to leadership, it matters to the world. That's what the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, the way we live our lives matters a lot. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. This is God's word translation. He says, I hope to visit you soon. However, I'm writing these, this to you. In case I'm delayed, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. That's where our text is coming from. Our focus for the teaching is coming from members of God's family. Somebody say, I'm a member of God's family. Say, I'm a member of God's family. Uh-huh. Our members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Once you become a member of God's family, there is a behavior that is required of members of God's family. And if you are going to enjoy the life in God's family, you have to adopt that behavior. You have to renew your mind until your life goes in that direction. Praise the Lord. There are people who have become part of God's family, but they think like people who are not part of God's family. That's why the Bible says that you are saved. You have been sanctified. You have been justified. The book of Romans, he talked about all of that. The fact that you've been saved, you've been justified, and then there's glory ahead of you. And then he talks about all of that. But when it comes to chapter 12 and verse number 1 to 3, he says, Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, in the light of God's mercies, in the light of all that God has done, Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. You have to be transformed. Praise the Lord. Some people have been Christian for so long and they are still the same. You have to be transformed. Praise the Lord. And transformation begins in the mind. Somebody say transformation begins in the mind. Say transformation begins in the mind. You see, man was originally designed to be spirit ruled. When God made man, he was not ruled by his mind. He was ruled by his spirit. 
That's how man was designed to govern. It was through the spirit God communicated with man. The Bible says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In 1 Thessalonians we are told that I pray that your whole body, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. So man is a tripartite being, his spirit, soul and body. With his spirit he related to God. And so with his body he connected to the natural world. And with his mind he relates to the intellectual realm. But God related and connected to man through the spirit. God related with us until when man fell, then his mind took over. His mind began to guide him. And so since man fell, we have depended on our mind. We have developed our minds to such a high degree. And when we get born again, that same change comes on. The spirit is saved immediately. The body and the mind are our responsibility, joint responsibility. In fact, even if you look at how Romans presented, it makes it more like the body and the mind are our responsibility. What goes on between your two ears, they are your responsibility. Turn to your neighbor and say, what goes on between your two ears? They are your responsibility. And wherever your feet will go is a function of what goes on between your two ears. How you feel in your body is a function of what goes on between your two ears. That's why your mind has to be taken care of. The Bible says, get, the, get up the loins of your mind. There's a lot said about the mind and I'm looking at it. <laughs> your mind is important. Your mind is also important. You are a Christian when you have the mind of a Christian. Somebody say, I'm a Christian. When I have the mind of a Christian. Yeah, the Bible talks about the carnal mind. It talks about the spiritual mind. So there are different kinds of minds in the Bible. Even after you are saved, there are different kinds of mind. The believer, there are believers who have a carnal mind. They have a carnal disposition towards things. And the Bible says to be carnally minded is death. You will not enjoy the life in Christ when you are carnally minded. When your mind is ruled by your senses, how you feel and what you think because of certain things you have, you have learned. Our mind is renewed when we align our minds with scripture. Somebody say, my mind is renewed. When I align my mind with scripture. So he says, don't be conformed to the world. In other words, you can be a Christian and you are closely conformed to the world. Because this letter was not written to unbelievers, it was written to believers. Oh, he says he's a Christian. But it's not, his life is not different from unbelievers. It's because it's not a problem. It doesn't mean that he's not a Christian. He's a Christian still. He's a Christian still. But that is where there's something he needs to do about his mind. And until that is done, his Christianity will not be fruitful. Okay, so we are looking at manners. Somebody say manners. And that is why spiritual education is key. That's why teaching of the word of God cannot be taken for granted. Because when you go through the week, you expose your mind to all kinds of things. And if you are a very serious Christian, you have an opportunity for your mind until recent times where there is podcast and all of these things. And even these things that are available, people don't even take advantage of them. But you, you only had, until recent times, you only had one, one, one or two days in the week to get your mind renewed. You come to engage your mind with the word of God on Wednesday and then on Sundays. That is when you are even serious. But if you are not very serious and you are like one who comes once a month, that means that all through the month, your mind is exposed to all kinds of junk. Then occasionally, one Sunday in the month, you come and you wonder how you are not able to walk in victory and you are not able to walk in triumph. Somebody say, my mind. mind. Where my mind goes, my my life goes. Okay, so we are looking at manners. Somebody say, manners. Yeah. When we talk about manners, we are talking about maturity. Maturity. Manners actually has to do with maturity because, you see, when you are an adult, there is a way we expect adults to behave. And when you have a baby, there is a way a baby behaves. So, by our manners, we will know. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, you see, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away, somebody say, I put away. Yeah, I put away childish things. 
so that childish things you should put away. You can be old and still be associated with childish things. Childish things. Childish things. Now people who've been in church for a long time and they are childish in their thinking, their understanding. The Bible says when it comes to mileage, be you children. But when it comes to understanding, be like men. It is very, 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 very important. I cannot say that enough because a lot of people only profess Christianity in faith in, 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 with their mouth, but in, not in their lifestyle. And for your lifestyle to be consistent with your faith, you have to renew your mind. Somebody say, my mind has to be renewed. And my mind is renewed when I think about things the way God thinks about them. Somebody say, my mind is renewed. When I think about things, the way God thinks about them. Yeah. Next year, remind me, next year I will teach on thinking the thoughts of God. Thinking the thoughts of God. You have to think the thoughts of God. The Bible says, for your ways are not my ways, neither are my thoughts like your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we begin to think the thoughts of God, we begin to function on a different level altogether. Okay, so we've been looking at manners. Somebody say manners. What are the manners that I must be associated with, that must be natural with me as a believer, as a maturing Christian, or as a matured Christian? What are the manners I need to espouse? What are the things that must be associated with my life? Number one, we said the first manner is the manner of regular fellowship with the saints. You can't be a, 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 a faithful Muslim who does not pray five times a day. You can be a proper Muslim who does not practice Salah or whatever they, 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 they call it. You can be a proper Muslim who is not aspiring that in your lifetime you go to Mecca. You can be a proper Muslim who is not regular on Fridays. You will not close your shop and go to the mosque on Fridays. You may be a Muslim in name. You are not a Muslim in practice. Am I complicating here? Now, the same way, if you are a Christian, there are things that must be consistent with your behavior. You can be a Christian and you are a Christian at home. Sundays is my relaxing day. No, no, that's not a Christian life. That's an unbeliever's life. A Christian joins the saints in fellowship. Let's not forget the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Fellowship is not an option. Somebody say fellowship is not an option. Coming to church. Tell your neighbor say coming to church. It's not an option. Yeah, it's a must. If you are a Christian, you associate with Christians. If you are a, a Christian, you associate with Christians. You are a part of God's family. When a family meeting is called, you need to be there. Yes. That is one of the most important manners. Number two, and when you come into the fellowship, guest coming is one. The second one is service. Somebody say service. It's an important manners you must observe as a Christian in the church. Serve somewhere in the church. Don't stay in the church and come and receive from everybody and give nothing. Because God has already given you something that we need to benefit from. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be selfish. Yeah, you don't have to be selfish. Being part of a family is one of the ways God uses to cure selfishness. When you are part of a family, when you have a roommate... You learn to be selfless. Yeah? You learn. That's why God puts us in relation. You see, God shapes our character and builds character in us in a number of ways. The first way is through his word. That's the first, the foremost thing God uses to build our character. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So when the word of God is allowed to take uh, dominance in your life, what it happens is that it shapes your character. The other thing God uses to shape our character are people. God uses people to shape our character. So when you get some positive feedback from people about your temperament and your behavior, please pay attention. Am I communicating here? There are people you can't tell them anything bad about their lives. 
Even when it's very, very bad and it's thinking, you can't tell them. The wife can't tell them, the husband can't tell them, the pastor can't tell them, and they are just moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on until they self-destruct. God puts people around us so that they can help us. You see, you cannot learn to develop and grow the fruit of the Spirit in isolation. You can't. You can't. Patience, how do you know you are patient? Let them irritate you. How do you know you are long-suffering? Let them take advantage of you. How do you know you are forgiving? You are loving and forgiving. And you don't bear records of wrong. Let the person, uh, your husband offend you today, tomorrow, three times. And let's see whether you'll be keeping records. 1967, what you did. It was a bright new day. When you did this, so, so, and so. That kind of record. How will you know? The Bible says love does not bear record. How will you know that it has to happen? And there are most people, people come to church and they, they just isolate themselves because they don't want to be hurt. Listen, you love love. You learn to love by being willing and vulnerable to be hurt. Okay. The love that never hurts is a fake love. Okay. One God so loved us, he hurt his only begotten son just to demonstrate his love towards us. So when you claim love and you are never hurt, and you, uh, stay you're somewhere. You'll be single for life. So that's why we come into fellowship. We come into fellowship so we grow. You join the choir. Somebody will put up an attitude you don't like. You don't leave because of that attitude. You stay in there. Because that attitude is telling you something about your character. And it's telling you something about that person's character also. I was speaking to one of my daughters some time back. And I said, I was telling her, most of the time, we want people, we want the fine self of people. But we don't want to contribute to bringing that fine self of that person. Everybody wants some, you know, I want a gentleman. But when you met him and there are some rough edges and you can give him feedback and walk him through it, you are not ready for that. But you always want something fine. Something fine is made fine by people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, there is nobody who comes fine. Nobody is born fine. Every child when he's born, they poop on themselves. No child tells mama, 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 No. Once you are born, you poo-poo by yourself. You poo-poo on yourself. And it tells you that nobody is born fine. All of us are born with weaknesses and lapses. And it takes people who learn to understand us, grow us, nurture us, patient with us, to bring out the best in us. Am I complicating here? That is why we are in church. Yeah, we are in church. That's why we are in church. That's why we are in church. So when you marry too, that's why you marry. You marry so that the rough edges will be made straight. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain shall be brought low. Are you here with me? Yeah. Okay, so we, we talked about the manners of fellowship, the manners of service. And last week I started talking about Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 19. Philippians 4, 10 to 19. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord really that now at your last care of at last your care of me has flourished again, though you were surely you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. May you be a caring believer. Amen. When you are in a church, care about the church. This is Paul. He said the Philippian church were different because they cared. They cared about the ministry. They thought well about the ministry. They were concerned about the ministry. They wanted to be involved with what was going on. They wanted to participate in the ministry's work. He said, you don't have opportunity because Paul was one who was always trying to shield people. He will not bring his problems to you. Sometimes he will even labor just to make sure that he doesn't become a burden to people. But he said, these guys were different. I didn't go to them asking for anything, but they were so concerned that they wanted to be involved. That is a Philippian church. This church, Paul prays and set apart uniquely. Also, one of the model churches in the New Testament is the Philippian church. They, they understood and the next, next year hopefully if you are able to go somewhere, maybe we will come and also look at the book of Philippians. How they strove for the gospel. If there was one church that was addicted and passionate about advancing the cause of the gospel, it was the Philippian church. They gave for the gospel. They strove for the gospel. They, they, they were all out for the gospel. And I pray that ELC will become a church that is advancing the cause of Christ. You see, there are many things we can do in this life. But there are very few things we can send up there. Praise the Lord. 
Many properties we can own in this life, but very few we can send them there. Jesus gave a parable. He said, use your earthly resources to make friends for eternity. Use your earthly resources. Use your earthly resources. Use your early resources. When you build 10 houses in Ghana eh, or in, in the well, when you die, you leave all of them behind. Do you understand what I'm saying at all? You leave all of them behind. Have 10 cars, you leave all of them behind. But the investment we make in the gospel, they go ahead of us. I'm not communicating here. They go ahead of us. And Paul was telling the church, he said, I rejoice greatly though you surely did care, but you lack opportunity. They were concerned. They wanted to be involved. But the opportunity was not there. And look at verse 11. He says, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Verse 12. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well. May we be a church that does well said you've done well and he's going to tell us why they did well you've done well in that you shared in my distress the sacrifices the pains the stress of the ministry you were part of it you helped to elevate the pain you helped to elevate the challenges of the ministry ministry is a very challenging job and ministry in this present generation is even more challenging he said, now you Philippians know that also in the beginning of the gospel, that when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. Say no church. No yeah. That's why they were unique. No church. In other words, they were the only church. They were the only people who were committed to him. And in this house, there are people who are committed to sharing with us concerning giving and receiving. But there are others. They are only connected to receiving. Giving and receiving is not there. They only receive. That's where they are. That's the wrong way to be a church member. Being a church member brings you into a relationship of giving and receiving. Somebody say giving and receiving. Yes. Yeah, you come to give and you come to receive. You come to give, you come to receive. In a relationship that is lopsided, that relationship is setting for a crash. A relationship that is only one-sided in giving will not go very far. Yeah, A wife who is always giving, a husband who is always giving, never been given opportunity to receive anything can enjoy the relationship. A person can endure and can go through that process for some time. But at some point, they will give up. They will give up. So all of us need to give, all of us need to receive. He said concerning giving and receiving. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for my necessity. Verse number uh, uh, 17. Not that. Now look at this. This is where he's getting. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the food that may abound to your account. That's why. He said, I'm talking to you about money. I'm talking to you about giving because I'm not looking for something from you. But there is something that will be credited to your account there. May I ask you this morning, do you have an account somewhere else? I know you have one in Sahel, Sahel. You have one in SGG. You have someone in uh, APSA. You, and you have investment there and there. Pounds and uh, uh, Prudential everywhere. Everywhere there is a bank, you have an account. But do you have a heavily account? Do you have one? Do you have one? And you see, the same process that goes into getting an earthly account goes into getting a heavenly account. It, when you have an, a, an earthly account, if it will be fat, you have to consciously send money there. Am I communicating here? You have to consciously send money there. You cannot keep an account. And some, nowadays, I think when you leave the account for some time and no money is coming, they put it in hibernation. They put it in hibernation. So that it's there. It's dormant. Because there's no money there. And when they did that and did that, did that, if it's a current account, they did that, did that, did that, did that, and it hits negative. And they are waiting for the day you drop money. The moment you drop, they take it. <laughs> now he says, Indeed, I have all and I abound. I am full. Having received of a preferred to the things which were sent from me, a sweet smelling aroma. Okay? An acceptable sacrifice. Do you see what we are talking about? Well pleasing to God. What they gave was sweet smelling what they gave was an acceptable sacrifice 
They gave sacrificially. And last week, I began to talk to you about the manners of giving sacrificially. Somebody say manners of giving sacrificially. You see, there are some givings in the church, they are not sacrificial. Tithe is not sacrificial giving. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tithe is not sacrificial giving. When you give tithe, don't have the mindset that you have sacrificed. You have not done anything. Tithe is for babies. It's for what? Uh, when we talk about tithe, we are talking about the tent. Where you are dealing with tent is for babies, is for hypocrites. Yeah. Give me Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Tithe is for hypocrites. Tithe. For I say unto you, look at, look at that. With me. I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds. You know what it means to exceed? Do you know what it means to exceed? It is to go over and above. When you are praying, say, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all, I ask. That's what he says. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and what? Oh, talk to me. That of the scribes and what? That of the scribes and Pharisees. You by no means enter into the kingdom of God. Now we, are, we have entered the kingdom because we didn't have to Pay our own way for that righteousness. That righteousness that exceeds. There is no way you and I could make, meet up. So Christ became our righteousness. So we could enter in. But having entered in, he's not expecting us to live less than Pharisees and scribes. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Go. This is Pharisees. Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, you shall by no means enter the kingdom. Go to Luke chapter 18. Verse uh, 14, there about 12, 14. Let's see that. Turn to your neighbor and say, tight. Say 10% tight. tight. That is almost tautology because tight is actually 10%. <laughs> now start from verse 10. Verse 10. I'm talking about sacrificial giving. Mrs., it is well. <laughs> Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other task what? That's what? Huh? The Pharisee stood and prayed that with himself. Oh God, thank you that I'm not like the men, other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterous, even as this task collector. I fast what? No, talk to me. I fast what? I give tithes of all that I want. I give tithes of all that I possess. When he was talking about the righteousness of the Pharisees, those were the things he was listing. I give tithes of all that I possess. So Pharisees gave tithes. They were so mindful of the tithes that they gave tithes of anis and cummins. Anis and cummins. One day when I go to Holy Land and I come back, I'll show you anis and cummins. There, there are some relics that if I happen to travel to any of that places, I'll bring some master seed is one of them. When, when you see it, there are things you have to see to see. If you have a, a, a faith as a grain of mustard seed, when Jesus says you have, you have a grain of a, and you see the way the mustard seed is, you will understand what the Bible is talking about. I so said, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So if you don't give tithes, as for you are not a, you don't you have not you have not. You see, tithes is for Pharisees. So if you don't tithe. I don't know where you are. <laughs> you have not even entered anywhere. I don't know where you are. And if you are debating it, you think you are doing something. He's not called you to tight. Tight is Sunday, Sunday school. So if you can tight, you move on. So I tell people, how do I start this thing? Start it. 10% is for Pharisees. So start from there. And move on. But don't stay there. And congratulate yourself. Oh, me, I give. I'm a very faithful giver. How much do you give every month? 10%. How much is that 10%? 100 Ghana CD. You think 100 Ghana CD is enough to build the church of God? Praise the Lord. Am I communicating here at all? The early church, eh, they were not giving uh, uh, those kind of things. Valuable stuff they gave. Jesus gave one life. He had one life. He gave it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's sacrificial giving. One life, he gave it. He said, I do you to wait. 
let me, let me tell you something. See, sacrificial, if you want to know that God is really working in your heart, okay, if you really want to know how much the grace of God is working in your life and in your heart, check how sacrificial your giving is. That is one of the major signs that the grace of God has really transformed your heart. A lot of people, the grace transformation is only in their head. Your life has not been transformed by the grace of God until it touches your wallet, your bank uh, uh, checkbook. That's, that is where. Am I communicating here? Yeah, you are truly saved when your bank account is saved. You are truly saved because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You are truly saved. There are people, when they come to church and uh, I am on a subject like this, they are even angry. You see, <laughs> money is your Lord. That is why you have a problem. Money is your Lord. And may the Lord deliver you today. Amen. Now, last week we talked about why it's important that we give sacrificially. We said that sacrificial giving is a demonstration of sincere love. Somebody say sincere love. Sincere love. Say sincere love. Yeah, sincere love is demonstrated by sacrificial giving. When the love is real and is genuine, we give and give anything. We give and we give everything. Sacrificial giving to the local church is a practical proof that God has first place in your life. Sacrificial giving to your local church shifts your trust. Somebody say my trust. My trust. From money from from money to God. Somebody say my trust. My trust. From money to God. Money to God. Yeah. My trust, your trust must be. The Bible says, Cares be the man who put that his trust in man. Now, it is dangerous to put your trust in man. <laughs> if it is bad to you are cares to put your trust in man, imagine if you put your trust in money. <laughs> Just think about it for a moment. Cares be the man that put that his trust in man. What will be the state of the one who puts his trust in money? Because between man and money, man is more important. Are you here with me? We said that sacrificial giving to the local church is a biblical proof that you have overcome greed. Somebody say, I've overcome greed. Say, I've overcome greed. How will I know that the last days is on? How will I know we are in the last days? Oh, is it because of the Israeli war? One of the things about American preachers is that anytime there's something in the Middle East, then they begin to talk a lot about the end times. As if that's the only sign that the end time is coming. Yeah, so those of you watch cable news, if you you in the because of the crisis, they are talking a lot about the end times, the second coming. <laughs> the second coming is not because of it is not uh, tied to those things. The Bible gives us real attitudes and characteristics that will precede the second coming of Christ, and we have one in second Second Timothy chapter three, verse one and two. Second Timothy chapter three. That's a prophetic sign. But know this. Somebody say know this. Uh-huh. You see, in the New Testament, we know things. We know what? Yes, I know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. Somebody say perilous times will come. Perilous times. Oh, perilous times will come. You see where the dollar started and where it has ended? Some people have prophesied to go back. Things don't go back. Things go forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? So your faith must always be on the increasing. If you are going to survive. The Bible said, your faith groweth exceedingly. Things go back, forward. They don't go back. MPDC will make you believe that when they come, they will take uh, mobile phone tax. Go and check the records. Most of the things they will post. When they came, they continue. Very few. Things don't go back. Turn to your neighbor and say, things don't go back. Things go forward. You do you want to go back? How, who, how, who actually wants to go back? Everybody wants to go forward. Everybody wants to go forward. When you are in school and they say you didn't do well, we want to repeat you. You get angry because you want to progress. You don't want the economy to progress. You see, but the <laughs> you see, while we are progressing, there's a place, there's a realm that God has given us to live, and that is a realm of faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Things don't go back. The Bible said in the last days, men will be lovers. Now, check this. I will teach on this next year. For men will be lovers of themselves. Men will be lovers of themselves. They will be obsessed with themselves. Everything. that It is this generation that introduced Sefi. 
Yeah, you don't know. Selfie is the gateway to selfish living. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, increasingly we have come to a place where we don't need people to do things for us. We are getting gadgets to do things for us. That's it. DIY. Do it yourself. That's the era we live in. But you see, there are things you can do for yourself. There are things you can do for yourself. Without me, you can do nothing. There are things you can do without God. Lovers of themselves. It's a lovers of money. Money. This is why your trust should move away from here. Lovers of money. There is no way you can, you, if you are someone who can give, you don't love money. It is people who love money who can give. They love it, so they must keep it or hold it. No. They can't they can let some sleep. They love money. Some people just love it when their account is fat. Even when the money is in the account is not yes. God's tight is fat. They are happy. Other people's money is fat. They are happy. I'm telling you. There are people, they are just happy. Go and collect their balance or a hit on their, and they are happy. Wow, what a miserable way to live your life. The moment the money goes down, inflation goes down, something comes. I mean, some people just get so disturbed that sometimes, even when they have legitimate expenses at home, and it, they need to go and take some of the money, they, they get worried. They wish that they can get some money from somewhere to pay it and keep that balance there. Hey, you have a problem. Oh? Lovers of money, busters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful. That's where we'll be starting next week from. These are diseases of the last, they are cancers of the last days. Cancers. Cancers of the last days. You think that it is uh, God who is making things tough. It's human wickedness that is making things tough. Human wickedness, human wickedness, wickedness. Somebody say sacrificial giving. Sacrificial. It fixes your heart on God. Say sacrificial giving sacrificial. helps you to keep your heart fixed on God. Yeah, when you give sacrificial, it helps you to fix your heart on God. And then sacrificial giving qualifies you to be entrusted with true riches. God wants to entrust people with true riches. May you become a candidate. Amen. I said, may you be a candi- become a candidate. Amen sacrificial giving also unlocks supernatural blessings into your lives. Listen, if you are faithful at giving consistently to advance the cause of Christ, let me tell you, God is faithful to always make sure that you have enough to meet your needs and to be a blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I said if you are faithful consistently with one Ghana, two Ghana, ten Ghana, to consistently so God is too faithful. Let me read something to you before I move on into what I have to teach. Remember this. This is Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Remember this, that the farmer who plants a few seeds will have a very small harvest. But the farmer who plants because he has received God's blessings will receive a harvest of God's blessings in return. Now follow this with me. Each of you should give whatever you decided. You shouldn't be sorry that you gave or you feel forced to give. Since God loves a cheerful giver, go to verse. Besides, God will give you his, God will give you his constantly overflowing kindness. Then when you always have everything you need, you see what happens? When you give, what do you get? God gives you his overflowing constant kindness. Then when you have, you always have everything you need, you can do more and more good things. Do you see that? Now go down. He says, Scripture, the person with God's approval gives freely to the poor. These, teaching, these things he does with God's approval continue forever. Go to 10. God gives seed to the farmer and food to those who need to eat. God will give you seed and multiply your seed, multiply it. Your lives will be an in, your He will increase the things you do that have his approval. Go to. God will make you Please, God will make you. God will make you. God will make you. God will make you. Say it like you mean it. God will make you. Yeah, God makes people rich. God makes people rich. God makes people rich. And when he makes them rich, they are very rich. Rich in the spirit, rich in the soul, rich in the body, rich in the mind, rich in family. God makes you rich in all around. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich and has no sorrow with it. True riches is a product of God's blessing. God will make you rich. 
enough so that you can always be generous and that's the purpose you see when you want to get money just to get money's sake it will destroy you but when you get money and the goal is to be generous all the time god will make sure that you have more and more and more and more because the bible says when wealth is stored it destroys it hurts the one who stores it ecclesiastes solomon nobody was richer than solomon he says what is the man who stores up wealth for his own destruction he that loveth silver shall never be satisfied with silver nor he that loveth abundance will increase he said god will make you rich you can always be generous your generosity would produce thanksgiving to god because of us are you here with me sacrificial giving gives you an opportunity to make eternal investment i want to speak to you briefly on how to give in the local church now please understand me very well the local church is a place of order somebody says it's a place of order say the local church is a place of order when i was talking about titles you remember why paul said titles in crete he said i i, I love thee in crete so that you will set in order the things which are lacking the church is a place of order church is not a place where we come and we do whatever we like there must be order praise the lord there must be what when we are doing praise and worship there must be order the church is an orderly place the kind of order that must be in church is more than the one that is in the courtroom am i going to get here yeah there's a place of order is because the holy ghost works when there is order the holy ghost works when there is what jesus was about to multiply five loaves of bread and he told the people let them sit down five thousand men women and children and uncounted he said let them sit down i wonder how how the ushers were able to do it because the ushers were 12 he said let them sit down 12 disciples you have 5,000 men, women and children, not accounted. By the time you put women and children together, where two or three men are gathered, more women are there. More children are there. So more! On the average, some Bible uh, scholars put it to about 15,000, 20,000. Let them sit down. They all sat down. Then Jesus took it. Then the Holy Ghost took over. Listen, if you allow order to come into your life, things will work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. let there be order allow yourself you see there must be order in the way you handle your things order order why should you spend 30 minutes looking for what to wear because there's no order in your wardrobe things are scattered anyhow order you waste your time you waste you see when we we don't live a life where there's order we waste a lot of things there must be order in your finances when money enters your hands order first place god's tide goes then you begin to make expenses some of you will receive your money you chop all then you, hey me tight see you, you are not an orderly person you you are you are a very disorderly person and god cannot trust you with much there must be order 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 now let's look at this Paul is talking about giving here. How do we give in the local church? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. And he talked about a number of ways to give in the local church. This is one. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given what? As I have given what? As I have given what? All this to the churches of Galatia. So you must do. When you are in the church and there is a certain order given by leaders, you follow it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Follow it follow it oh we say we are receiving our tithe we are receiving it forward follow it don't be too righteous and think you are smarter that's pride follow it he said as i have given order in give, take me back order order that is order that's what leadership is about in the beginning when god created there, there was chaos everywhere he said i'm not going to continue until there's order so he made sure that there was order the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light. Why? When light comes, there's order. You know where things are wrongly positioned. So light comes. You see, every, the, the light of God's word is what brings order into our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are free to do whatever we want to do, but the moment the light of God's word comes on a matter, immediately you align yourself. That's a mature believer. Okay? You can be shouting on your husband, insulting him, but the moment you come and you get exposed, to the word of God that says, wives, 
Submit yourself to your husbands. Respect them. Ah, you go back. Honey, at the back, forgive me. All this time I've been insulting you. I didn't know. Please forgive me. It won't happen again. Why? There's order in my life now. The, way, the light of God's word has brought order into my life and I'm going to align myself. That's a Christian. That's a Christian. Not the one who goes and says, No, listen. Look at yourself. You are so shallow. You think I have time to be thinking about you and to come and use you to preach? God is just merciful and kind to you. He wants to help you. That's why when you come to church, something is said that relates to you. It is when God loves you and he wants to help you. The Bible says, Whomsoever the Lord loveth, he chastens it. And God chastens us through his work. So when you hear something like that, that is where you should go and thank God. Father, I thank you that you love me, that you speak to me. That is a proper Christian. But the one who is on his way to self-destruction, they can fight and fight and fight all the way to the pastor's office. Somebody say order. order. As I have given what? Orders to the churches. So you must what? Do. So don't do things the way you want. Do things the way orders have been given to be done. And he's going to give the, those orders. Let's look at it. Orders. He says, if you are going to the giving, this how it ought to be done. On the first day of the week. Somebody say on the first day of the week. Go to verse 2. On the first day of the week. Verse 2. On the first day of the week. Did you see that? On the first day of what? Of the week. On the first day of the week. Now listen. These guys, this, these things are not just said randomly. They are very important. Because before this time, what the people knew were the, the Sabbath. Which was the weekend. The Saturday. That was what they were used to. The Jews used to fellowship on the Sabbath. But something different had happened. Between the time Jesus died and resurrected. So I mean I know there are churches that go on debating. Is it Sabbath? Is it Sunday the Sabbath? Is it Saturday the Sabbath? But if you look at scripture consistently. You see that the early church worship on Sundays. The first day of the week. That's where meetings were held. Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. The commission to go into the world was given to them on the first day of the week. The day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, it was the first day of the week. Am I communicating here? Now, he says, when it came to giving, he said, on the first day of the week, when you gather, when you come to church on the first day of the week. Now, what does that communicate? It tells us something about how our giving should be done. It tells us that our giving must be habitual or regular. Somebody say regular. On the first day of the week. On the first day of the week. That's a regular giving. On the first day of the week. Habitually. On the first day of the week. In the Old Testament, when they had appointment with God, one of the conditions was that they should not appear before God empty. Three times they were supposed to have festivals. And they were not to appear before God empty. It's the same spirit with which he's speaking. He said on the first day of the week, when you are assembled together, when you come to show yourselves before the Lord, don't come empty. He says, do it regularly on the first day of the week. Somebody say, on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week. Yeah, so how is giving supposed to be done in the New Testament? How are we supposed to give? Among many things, we have to give regularly. You don't give when you feel like, today I'm in the mood to give. It's okay to be in the mood. But a Christian doesn't give because he's in the mood. The Christian gives because it's his nature to give. I'm not communicating here. He gives because it's his nature, it's his character. And he knows that he's consciously making investment. That's how a believer lives his life. Can you imagine someone who is making investment and he does the investment when he's in the mood? Those of you who make investment for your children, do you do it when you are in the mood? When you receive your money, he said, this month I'm not in the mood to put something down for the children. So I'm going to chop everything. I'm not in the mood. No, you don't do that. You, you do it deliberately and consciously. On the first day of the week, habitual giving. A Christian gives habitually. Christian giving is habitual giving. Somebody say habitual giving. Habitual. Say habitual giving. Yeah, we don't give when we feel like it. We give because God's word says we should give. We give because it's our nature to give. We give because we have a responsibility to give. We give because the work of God demands that we give. And we have to give habitually. Somebody say habitually. So on the first day of the week. That's the first thing. Habitual giving. Christian giving must be habitual. Habitually. Habitually. On the first day of the week. Let everyone, now let's go to verse 2 again. 
pick up a few things there. Number one, on the first of the week, so that tells us about habitually. Number two, let each one of you lay something aside. Now, that brings us to personal. Somebody say, Christian giving Christian. must be personal. Yeah, personal, personal. You don't come to church and say, as for today, me, my offering is that I'm coming to sweep the church. No. My offering is I'm coming to play instruments. My offering is I'm going to sing. No. All, we all came with that offering. All of us, we are to enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. So the fact that you are leading the praise and worship does not mean that that's your offering. All of us came with that offering. And there's an offering. We are to come before him with an offering. That's what the Bible says. It says, let it, let's look at that. Let's look at that closely here. He says, let each one, no, give me 16 verse 2. On the first day of the week, on the first day, 16 verse 2, we'll come back to here, to this place, but go back to verse 2. Let each one, somebody say, let each one. Let each one. So Christian giving. When we come to church like this, everybody is expected to give. Everybody was what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The poor is expected to give. The rich is expected to give. You remember Jesus sat by the treasury and they were giving. And he was inspecting. The one who came with one CD, Jesus collected it. The one who came with 100 Ghana, Jesus collected it. Everybody is expected to give. Listen, you can't be a Christian without the nature of giving. Because what made you a Christian was God's nature of giving. And that is the nature that brought you into salvation. And that is how you live. You see, the way we get, we, 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 we came into faith in Christ, that's how we live. Somebody say, how we came into faith in Christ. It's how we live. Yeah. Yeah. What Jesus did for us in redemption, let me tell you something. What Jesus did for us in redemption, when it comes to Christian maturity and growth, what he did for us in redemption becomes our example for living. Note that. What Jesus did for us in redemption becomes our example for Christian living. That's our example. So he died for us. We have to be willing to die for others. He gave his life for us. We must be willing to give our lives for others. He, he, he made great sacrifices for us. We must be willing to make great sacrifices for others. That's, that's Christianity. That's Christianity. The moment you receive whatever Christ did for you and you are not willing to do the same for others, your Christianity is incomplete. You see, the whole of the New Testament, in fact, all the epistles, most of them, they are written in two dimensions. One, it shows you about what Christ has done for us and then it shows us what we ought to do in the light of what Christ has done. That's how the New Testament letters go. All of them. Romans, uh, 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 what do you call it? First Corinthians, it talks about the same thing. So he tells you who you are. How did you become who you are? He said, you are the temple of God. You are righteous. How did you become? Because of what Christ has done, you have been made into something else. Now you ought to lay your life down so others can become what they ought to be. Are you here with me? Very, very important. We must give personally. Everybody must be. When you are coming to church, you must have a seed to give. It's not that you are now going to tell your husband, tell your brother, tell your this thing. No. When you are going to the saloon, you don't always go to your husband to tell him. He gave you money to put on yourself. That money has given you to put on yourself. Some must be set aside for offerings. Am I communicating here? Never borrow money for offering. It makes you, it shows you are an irresponsible Christian. As God has prospered you, something must be laid aside. Are you here with me? It will be personal. Now, it's not just look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. I'm talking about personal, personal. So let each one give us what? He purposes in that. Let each one. Not some people. Not some people. Not some people. Most of the time when I minister anywhere and I'm receiving offering, I always receive my offering with the exception of a few occasions when I'm particularly prompted by the Spirit of God. I always receive offering in such a way that everybody can give something. Because that is scripture. Let each one give. Don't be in a meeting and just receive and go. Be in a meeting to give. Let each one give. Not as uh, gradually or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody must give. Somebody say everybody must give. 
Acts chapter 11, verse 27 to 30. In these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, and then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the land, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, look at that with me. Then the disciples did what? Look at that, look at that with me. Everybody look here. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send a relief. They were determined that they were going to be take part. Students were determined to take part. Those who were looking for jobs were determined to take part. Everybody was determined to take part. Yeah. Each of them according to their ability. According to their ability. In the New Testament, we have records of a man like uh, Barnabas who sold his land. He was rich to have land and he sold it and he gave. But we also see the likes of people who didn't have much. The, the widow. And yet she also gave. Listen, let me tell you. Christian generosity eh, is not based on how much you have. It's based on the kind of heart you have towards God. That's Christian generosity. It's not based on how much you have. It's your heart towards God. Your heart towards God. There are some people that can sing tears will come. Their heart is so far away from God. Because their money is not with God. It's not just crying and singing and, and, and dramatizing. No, 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 no. The, God has decided that the thing he will use to tell whether your heart is with him or not is your money. That's what God decided to do. That's what God decided to do. And me too, me too I have also learned the same. People who don't give to me, I don't trust them. I suspect them. No, 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 no. I'm telling you the truth. Because anybody who can give to you is either envious of you, jealous of you, or is looking for to kill you. Why should I let somebody like that be so close to me? I'm telling you, just be, just, just be smart. That's, that's how it is. Yeah. Be a generous soul. Yeah, I want you to be genuine. And the genuineness demands that something part from you. Now, number three, we must give what? Number, number three is that we must give what? Intentionally. Somebody say intentionally. intentionally. Say intentionally. intentionally. Say intentionally. intentionally. You know those who don't tithe in church, they have decided they won't do it. It's just, it's just intentional. It's not that they, they have decided they won't do it. They have decided and they have made up their mind and they are sitting in the church. They won't do it. Whether money is in their hands or money is not in their hands, they, they, they can't be bothered. This thing is not. Listen. Look at verse 2 with me. He says, verse 2 On the first day of the week, let each of you, now follow this with me, let each of you what? Let, let, let each of you do what? Lay something aside. Lay something what? Aside. Lay something aside. Lay it aside. If you see, that's intentional. Plan. Plan. If the whole month I'm not in church, my offering is intact. Yeah. Because my offering for Sunday is laid aside. My offering for Tuesday, Wednesday is laid aside. So if I miss church, my offering must not miss church. Lay aside. Lay something aside. Lay something aside. Lay it aside. Every money you have, it is only locked up in investments. And servicing of loans. Nothing is laid aside for God's kingdom. And yet you say, I'm a soldier in the army of God. Which army? Which army? <laughs> Which army? Do you know the God that you want to be a soldier in his army? Now, he says on the first day, let each one lay something aside, storing up. Lay it aside. Somebody say, lay it aside. Yeah, lay it aside. Lay it aside. It's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. You don't go and borrow from money that has been set up. You see, the, the concept of the tithe eh, was designed to teach the people how to honor. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's honor. The whole Old Testament, much of it had to do with honoring God and honoring man. The Ten Commandments God gave to man has to do with honoring God, honoring man. That's all. The concept of honor, it's old and new. That's all about it. Honor the Lord with your substance. They were, they were all the laws and regulations 16 and 613 that were given, they were given so that they will know how to revere God. That's what Deuteronomy tells us. That's how they were supposed to learn how to re in the New Testament. Jesus came to give us an example so that we will learn how to love God. 
Love, in love is honor. In love is generosity. He said, store it up. Lay it aside. So in the Old Testament, you don't touch that. You don't touch it. And if you touched it, you are required to put a certain percentage on it. Why? Because you are not supposed to touch it. It's torn aside. That's the kind of spirit he's using to communicate to them here. These are people who have become Gentiles. And they, and they, and they are, we are not under the law. We are not under the law. But there is a way we still honor God outside of the law. Lay something aside. Be intentional. You see, as we speak now, let me tell you. Every one of us here, who is consciously making investment in God's kingdom, you know how much investment you have, you have made in the kingdom of God. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I have, I have checkbooks. Checkbooks, checkbooks. Tight. I picked checkbooks. One for giving to people generally. One for uh, giving to maybe if I have some obligations. One for tight. Exclusively tight. That's it. That's what I used to give my tithes. And so, in, in the past five years, if I'm to look for how much I've given, it's there. It's there. I'm not, I'm not a, a haphazard uh, this thing. No. You cannot, every month, you, you go and make deposit into that uh, data bank or uh, whatever investment. You, they give you receipt. You keep it. You keep it. When they make SNIT contribution and a provident fund, that you, you keep it. Some of you have not checked it. Go and check it. Very, very important. But lay something aside. That's what he said, lay something aside. And I close with this. I close with this. And that is there. He said, storing up as he may prosper. That's the key word. Why has he removed it from there? <laughs> he said, storing up as he may prosper. He's talking about proportion. Somebody say proportion. proportion. So we give proportionately. You give, you give. As you store up as you are prospering. Store up according as God has given you. Yeah. God has given you so much. So maybe in a week, you are paid a month. In the month, you, you put something aside. And then in the week, you go to the office, your boss dashes you some money. As you have prospered in the week, lay something aside. I'm not communicating. You give proportionally. Your father gives you maybe 200 Ghana CD every month. But this month, the Holy Ghost slapped him and he brought you 500. You say, my offering, the Sunday, nah. no, the Sunday, the week that you receive that kind of harvest, something must be proportionate. I'm not communicating here. Last year, you were receiving 5,000 Ghana. Now they give you 10,000 Ghana. You see, you have increased your uh, uh, M fund, this thing. You have increased this one. You have increased that one. But your offering is still at 10 Ghana. Doctor, 50 cities. Doctor, 20 cities. Doctor, 10 Ghana city. You bring it to church. Do you really honor this God? If somebody, a carpenter is trying to give God 10 cities every week, you, as a medical doctor, as a pharmacist. No, listen, listen. Let's, let's not joke with God. Let's not joke with God. Let's be very serious with God. Look at the kind of money that passes proportionally. The Bible says what we give must be a reflection of God's blessings in our lives. Now, go, go to Acts, Acts chapter 11, verse 27. I'm showing you how Christians live. Go to verse 29. 29, verse 29. He said, Then the disciples, each according to his ability, each according to his ability, you drove to church. Somebody took a taxi to church. Are you telling me his offering should be the same as your own? His ability, one who drives and one who walks, your abilities are different. And God knows it. God knows it. That's why he, he stood by the, the treasury and said, he said, you guys, you, you are joking with me. It's only this widow who has value for me. Because all of you, out of your abundance, look at the money you put in fuel. Your lunch is 100 Ghana cities. 50 Ghana cities. Then you are bringing an offering to God. 50. Hola, Lisa, Davaliza. And you are, you, are, you are wondering why opportunities are not coming to you. You are wondering how you are not able to experience a certain measure of God's favor and grace. You are wondering why certain doors are not opening to you. Listen. Let's renew our minds. Let's what? Renew our minds. Let's honor this God that we claim we are serving. And if we do so genuinely and honestly, we will see his blessings. Listen. Blessing people is the easiest thing God wants to do for his people. It is his mind, it is his will, it is his purpose. 
But you see, if God blesses you and your heart is going far, far, far from you, you waste his investment. Let me tell you something today. The blessing of God is his investment in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? When God puts his blessing on you, he has made investment in you. And when somebody makes investment, he expects to have dividends out of that investment. So if God puts his blessing on you and he's not having dividends when he needs it, forget it. Forget it. He will not continue to make that investment. That's what the Bible said. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. You will increase. God will increase you. May you experience increase. May you experience enlargement. May the Lord give you so much more. May the Lord honor your heart. As you position your heart on God. As you take your your heart from money. As you take your heart from things. And you begin to put it on God. May God honor you a thousand times more. Today, because you have decided that you are going to relate with God the way he expects. May he honor you. May he bless you so much more. May he give you a thousand times more. In Jesus precious name. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.